0: Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty. Hello and welcome to Business Fights Poverty Spotlight Interviews. I am Katie Heisen, Director of Thought Leadership. Each week, these interviews provide you with the insights from a different perspective of the Business Fight Poverty Network, giving you first-hand understanding of how businesses and others are working on some of the world's biggest social challenges. Inclusive growth. Inclusive economies, economic inclusion. What do these terms actually mean in real life and how do they affect us? Well, this podcast is devoted to looking at just these topics. We're going to couple these topics up with the importance of smaller businesses around the world. Ready for some more jargon? MSMEs, micro, small and medium sized enterprises. We're going to look at why smaller businesses are so vital to our economies. And all of our jobs, how they've been so badly affected by the pandemic, and what we can do to better support them in order to hopefully create, you guessed it, economic inclusion, inclusive economies, and inclusive growth. For this podcast, I'm joined by two global experts in these topics Pyle Dalal, who's the Senior Vice President for Social Impact of International Markets at the MasterCard Center for Inclusive Growth. They are on a mission to advance sustainable and equitable economic growth and financial inclusion around the world. So the people to talk about these topics. And Evelyn, who is the CEO of Canal Circle, who are building a financially inclusive ecosystem for the underserved Vietnamese in rural areas, including supporting entrepreneurs with digital tools and technology. We're going to be talking MSMEs, partnering, growth, resilience, and digitization. So, Pyle, Evelyn, welcome.
1: Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for having us, and thanks to Business Fights Poverty as well.
0: Hi, thanks for having me. Great to have you both here joining us today. So, Paul, I wanted to start with you. There's a fairly horrific statistic that 55% of micro and small enterprises, so MSMEs, globally reporting they had a decrease in revenue and sales during COVID-19. From the work you've been doing and the position that you're in, I know that you sort of dedicate a lot of time looking at these sized organizations. Why have they been particularly hard hit?
1: Yeah, Katie, I have to say it's actually a lot more dire than that. The data I've seen shows that 42% of micro and small businesses are actually at risk of failing and we're already starting to see some bankruptcies. And about 62% of micro businesses have reported a decline in sales. So I think those are pretty stark numbers and really, you know, orient us around kind of the the drastic situation we have in front of you. The truth is that micro and small businesses have faced a lot of challenges and, and those challenges weren't really geographically specific. And I think if this pandemic taught us anything, it's that people and micro and small businesses just everywhere struggled. I think the truth, Katie, is that a lot of the issues that micro and small businesses already faced before the pandemic were exacerbated. So they needed to go from physical to digital doors and think about a completely different way of doing business. They were confronted with an accelerated change in mass consumer preferences and behavior. So they had to really think about how to react they were already time poor, and then they became even more time poor. And I think this is especially true for women entrepreneurs. They felt that time crunch because they had to juggle households, childcare, and elder care. And of course, before the pandemic, we knew that cash flow was a major problem for small businesses. And this was just really exacerbated by COVID. I think there was a really urgent need, especially for working capital. They needed this capital to invest in new technologies that really allowed them to go digital or just to help them weather the increased revenue volatility. And then, of course, on top of all of this, if that wasn't enough, they faced systems level issues like delays in supply chains. So, you know, I think the data shows that it was a really, really challenging time and
0: kind of the number of challenges were just really vast and varied. Yeah, as you say, it sort of goes deep across the whole businesses. I want to dig into that working capital piece for a moment. Evelyn, bringing you in, your organisation Canal Circle uses digital technology to help monetary financial institutions better serve these types of organisations, these medium, small enterprises and and micro. What did you see in terms of the impact of the pandemic on these smaller businesses in your network? And, And were those monetary financial institutions, were they able to meet the increased need for capital? Yeah,
2: I can't agree more with Payal's observation. From what I see, MSMEs have been hit hard financially from two fronts. Uh, firstly, is the pressure from interest payments of their existing loans uh, in the face of decreased uh, revenue. Uh, secondly, is the need to invest in new methods of doing business, uh, such as the need to move online, the measures to compensate for halted supply chains, or the need to pivot from what they've been selling to completely new products or services. And to make these changes, MSMEs need capital to invest. So for them, it's not just a lack of working capital to fund for their existing operations in the face of decreased revenue, but also a lack of CAPEX to fund new initiatives to cope with changing business circumstances. And microfinance organizations definitely play a role here in fulfilling a part of this capital need. However, they themselves have to put in measures to comply with their risk exposure limit in the face of uncertainties as well. So the majority of the time, we actually saw a credit freeze across the board. Only selected borrowers with really good long-term credit histories can still access a part of the capital that they need.
0: And Pyle, I mean, I know that the organisation that you work for does a lot of research and data collecting. What is that insight particularly telling you?
1: Yeah, you know, as you said, Katie, the center has been working in the space for a long time, over eight years. And so we have gathered some really interesting learnings. The first is that segmentation really matters. I think, and maybe this is obvious, but micro, small and medium enterprises, they're not a monolith and you can't just segment them on size alone. So I think we have to be really sophisticated about how we think about micro and small businesses and recognize that they have different needs than larger businesses. And honestly, oftentimes, we find that products and services and tools are made for larger enterprises, and they're not really fit for purpose for micro and small businesses. So when we do our work, we really need to think not only about who we're trying to reach, but what we're trying to accomplish. So that's kind of the first insight, Katie, is that segmentation matters. The second is that education is important, but we really need to be behavior change oriented. I think there are a lot of conversations about micro and small businesses and the need to upskill them. And look, don't get me wrong, training is really important, but we have to recognize that skills attainment and behavior change are two totally different things. And behavior change, changing the way a small business operates, is actually what we want to accomplish. The issue is that that takes a lot longer. So when we're designing training initiatives, we have to really just kind of go beyond thinking about how micro and small businesses come away with the right lessons, but we actually have to give micro and small businesses the right context so that they can apply that knowledge in real time. So that's why you're seeing a lot of conversation about the importance of just-in-time training. So that's kind of the second, as we kind of need to, to shift the dialogue away from training to behavior change. The third is that, you know, while it's really important to focus at the enterprise level, we actually have to recognize that there's a whole entrepreneurial ecosystem that's supporting micro and small businesses. So yes, we do need to invest in interventions that work directly with micro and small businesses, but we also have to make sure we invest in organizations that help micro and small businesses in the ecosystem. Like microfinance organizations, because micro and small businesses really depend on the services of these organizations. So, ecosystem is really important. The fourth is intentionality. So, it's really incredibly important to be intentional. And I mean this especially when I'm thinking about underserved entrepreneurs. You know, we've seen in our work that when we're not Gender intentional, for example, women entrepreneurs don't realize equal outcomes as the male entrepreneurs. And then the final thing I'll say, Katie, is I think what the pandemic has shown us when we've gone through our data is that we need to be more oriented around resilience over growth. Because you know, before the pandemic, all of our programs were about how do we help micro and small businesses grow? How do we help them grow? Which is important. But what the pandemic showed us is that micro and small businesses didn't have that much resiliency and the pandemic made it worse. So we really have to think about how we can help them weather the volatility and recognize that resilience is the first step towards growth. So just a few
0: insights that
1: I think are are really important.
0: I always think the best insights are those that make such fundamental sense. And just listening to you talking there, Pyle, it just, you know, it really makes sense. But until you until you peel it back, until you've got that data and insights, you just don't put that puzzle together. Evelyn, I wanted to bring you in. Pyle mentioned or started talking about the entrepreneurial ecosystem, which I I know that you guys have been sort of, you know, you're deep in that space. Have you seen any kind of knock-on benefits to micro merchants when you're really helping the organizations that serve them to digitize, specifically Mm -hmm. as it relates to the MSE's adoption of that digital technology?
2: Yeah, we are still learning a lot as we go, but one of the key things that we have observed is that digitization is really as much about technology as it is about the mindset and the holistic approach because many times, as we observed, the benefits do not come if organizations do not fully digitize or if they do digitize but still act in data silos and do not integrate with the upstream or downstream partners. In our case, as we work on digitizing the operations of microfinance organizations uh, and many village saving groups in Vietnam, we've seen some improvements in the efficiency of the loan officers, and that leads to improved turnaround time on credit decisions. We've also seen some improvements in our clients' ability to analyze and make sense of the data for insight to improve the financial offerings to bottom the pyramid borrowers. However, we would love to see more benefits that come from system integrations with ecosystem partners such as banks and digital payment services to enable fully digital loan disbursements and repayments, uh, to enable a smooth sharing of credit histories across different financial institutions, and the use of digital payments among MSMEs to not just getting the loans, but also to transact with the suppliers and customers. Uh, and I think that when that's possible in Vietnam, that's when we can really reap the benefits of digitization and use that as a springboard to rebound after the pandemic. Katie, I just wanted to jump in here
1: and pick up this really important point. So Evelyn talked a lot about digitization. And you know I, I have to agree, digitization is key for resilience and growth. But I think the point I want to make is that we have to make sure that we're not making digitization the end point to me, digitization is the means through which we can help support resilience and growth. Just because a micro and small business digitized, that doesn't mean that that's that's the outcome we're looking for. It's kind of in service of making sure that micro and small businesses have the tools they need to be resilient and grow. So I just wanted to add that to to Evelyn's point.
0: So we've obviously sort of talked a bit about what the insights are telling you, what you're sort of seeing on the ground as well, Evelyn. Um, Pile. So going back to you a little bit for a moment, I really want to understand then how do you actually act on these in- insights? I'm slightly action orientated as people who've listened to my previous podcast might uh, might know. So I'm kind of curious, what, what actions uh, do we take with those insights?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I appreciate your orientation around action because that's the point of insights. They need to, to lead to better action. So for us, the insights that that I talked about and that Evelyn shared really help us design our programs. And the way I think about the objectives that we want to achieve kind of break down into three categories that are kind of informed by the insights we've already talked about. One is, how do you help micro and small businesses not only build their skills, but change their behavior? Two, how do you help them access and use financial services? And three, how do you help them access new markets and new customers? And I think underpinning all of this, which, you know, kind of goes to the point I previously made is, you know, how do you do these three things in the context of the digital economy, knowing that there is this mass acceleration to digital, and we're likely not, we're not likely going to backtrack from it. So Katie, I'm really happy to share, in the spirit of being action-oriented, that I think, given the just dire situation of of micro and small businesses, we and, and kind of it, it's really kind of reinforced our imperative to double down on this segment. I'm really happy to share that we're launching a new set of programs called Strive. Strive is a group of programs led by the Center for Inclusive Growth that are really focused on helping bolstering the resilience and growth of micro and small businesses, and really ensure that they can can thrive in the digital economy. And one of the programs within the Strive portfolio that I'm really particularly excited to share with you and your listeners is the launch of Strive Community. It's a $19 million program globally that's looking at helping grow the resilience and revenue growth of 5 million micro and small businesses in the digital world. And what we're trying to do is help micro and small businesses build their skills, gain and use financial services, and be better plugged into markets. And everything we do is going to have a digital and data-first approach, which I think is different from the other programs we've done or that others have done. I'll stop there because I could talk about what we're up to for a really long time, but I'm really excited about this new program.
0: My gosh, I think you are. That's so exciting. And thank you very much for joining us today to, to talk about it. I'm literally smiling from ear to ear at the, at the thought of that. And we will definitely come back to you in a moment, Pyle, because I really want to dig into what that means and how it's going to happen. But Evelyn, just for a moment, just any other suggestions while we're still in that action-orientated space before we get way excited about this new Strive Community Programme. Any other suggestions in terms of... um Things that you would see that should be done better or some actions that could be taken to really support these communities of small and and micro enterprises?
2: Yeah, I think um, from my side, um, resounding success stories or very convincing case studies will be very important for us to win the mindset of uh, MSEs who are still reluctant to make the move. Uh, And then once they are ready for the move, it's about how we can come up with technologies that can actually work. And they're easy to use and how best you can train them on using this technology, which is the skill retooling aspect that Payal has emphasis on and rightfully so. Because keep in mind that MSEs and consumers at the bottom of the pyramid are relatively lucky and less tech savvy than their corporate and urban counterparts. So I think this point really resonates with what Payal said about how we need to meet these MSEs where they are. Yeah, and Evelyn,
1: I think that's such an important point. Not only meeting micro and small businesses where they are, but recognizing that they are not only cash poor, but time poor. And so that's part of what we're trying to do with Strive Community is kind of go to the platforms they're already using so they don't have to search for the resources and the tools they need. So I think all of us who are working to help micro and small businesses really need to think about how do we make it easy and quick? for micro and small businesses to gain the tools and the resources they need to bolster their resilience and their growth. Because the truth is, you know, we put so much of the onus on the micro and small business, you know, when we're talking about skilling, when we're talking about de-risking. And so, you know, anything we can do as organizations that support entrepreneurs to make it easy and quick and a light lift, I think is critical.
0: I suspect there might be a few people who are listening to this that sort of that resonates with, and we'll talk about how to get involved um, in a bit, I suspect. Pyle, I want to just think about kind of why MasterCard is doing this for a moment, because it's such a big commitment and it's global. And, you know, it's really reaching down to support as many people or organisations as possible here. What's motivating this for you guys
1: Yeah, look, the honest answer, Katie, is that all sectors really have a critical role to play when it comes to supporting and advancing inclusive inclusive growth. And the private sector is no exception. I mean, for us, social impact is in MasterCard's DNA, and we really have a strong commitment to doing well by doing good. And, And let's face it, let's be brutally honest, MasterCard cannot succeed in a failing economy. So it's in our interest that the economy builds back better. And honestly, we believe that micro and small businesses are gonna be the ones to deliver an inclusive and accelerated recovery from the pandemic. So that's why we're doubling down on micro and small businesses. I think they're the key to inclusive growth and we need to do everything we can to help them spur that economic development. I think it's pretty simple.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with Payal on the importance of collaboration in the network effect here because no single organization can undertake this alone, no matter how big the commitment is. At Canal Circle, we are a young startup working in the microfinance space uh, in which our clients are very old-fashioned and somewhat grassroots organizations. Uh, At the same time, we actively seek partnerships with big established organizations like banks and digital payment providers so that they can connect um, with the microfinance organizations to create that smooth transition in the financial ladder for the bottom, the pyramid customers. Uh, And in our two projects that we are partnering with CARE Vietnam, uh, we have the opportunity to work with the Vietnam Women Union, which is one of the largest social political organizations in Vietnam uh, to bring our fintech products to potentially the 12 million members of the Vietnam Women Union. So within just the boundaries of our area of work, we are leveraging the collaboration of a diverse set of organizations from public, private, nonprofit to social political institutions.
0: Well, these things are really coming together. And Pyle, as you talked about earlier, that kind of ecosystem approach, you can kind of really feel it happening. I'm gonna sort of move forward. Okay, so I'm a little bit skeptical. The kind of big businesses riding on their charges, woohoo, we've got loads of money to throw about and we're just wonderful. And look at us. Why isn't this project just philanthropy?
1: Yeah. So honestly, I think it's philanthropy plus 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 or to put it in MasterCard speak, we're moving towards commercially sustainable social impact because, yes, we are harnessing philanthropic capital, but we're also leveraging the assets of the company. You know, we're bringing to bear our data, which, of course, is aggregated and anonymized and responsible We're using our expertise and our human capital, our technology, our customers, our brand. And as I mentioned earlier, kind of central to strive community is partnership. So we're not just looking at using our assets, all of them, philanthropy plus MasterCard's assets, but we're looking to combine assets and competencies with other organizations, especially other private sector entities. So, you know, to Evelyn's point, she talked about the network effect. We're really trying to use MasterCard's power of its network to forge all of these social impact partnerships with other private sector entities. And I'm proud to say we actually have a bunch of um, private-private partnerships in the pipeline with various fintechs and government. Um, I wish I could tell you the names, but um, the audience is just going to have to wait for more details. Hopefully, it's a way that can stay engaged with us.
0: Evelyn, I know that you obviously, you know, this is this is so new, this is brand new out of the box, the Strive community. And I wondered whether from your perspective and the work that you're sitting in, the world that you're working in, what's your perspective on this Strive community and the impact that it potentially might have?
2: Yeah, so I definitely believe that this is a great social effort here because uh, we do not want to have anyone left behind just because they are not tech savvy. But at the same time, this is great for business because it opens a new market of people who have not been operating online before. And this is a huge number of potential customers for digital financial services.
0: Cool. It's so exciting. I really, really want to hear how this all goes and definitely want to get you guys back to to find out how it's going in a, a few months, years time. But Pyle, for anybody who's listening to this podcast and wants to find out more or indeed potentially even get involved what should they do? How can they reach out to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So being action oriented, I have a couple of calls of action for listeners. Uh, First, please check out the center's website. It's mastercardcenter.org. And we actually have a dedicated website for Strive Community. It's strivecommunity.org. We're going to have a lot of rich content and a lot of learnings. I think one of the things that we're really keen to do within Strive Community is not only share our learnings and share the insights we're generating from programs and partnerships, but learn from others. I think community is a key word in the title of this program. We're really trying to create a community of organizations that support entrepreneurs so that we can kind of collaborate more effectively, co-innovate more effectively, and really leapfrog um, from each other's insights. So that's the first. Please join and follow us on, on both MasterCardCenter.org and StriveCommunity.org. Second, and you mentioned this already, Katie, so thank you. We're looking to forge partnerships, especially with other private sector entities. So please reach out to us if you're interested and want to engage with Strive Community. The third, which I think doesn't happen enough as it should, we want to learn from each other and from from other experts in this field like Evelyn. And so I I just want to encourage people to share surface learnings externally and publicly so we can all learn from each other. And finally, of course, please help us spread the word. It's a brand new program that's just gone live. Um, And so the only way we're really gonna build this community is with the help of your listeners.
0: Cool. And I'll make sure I put all those links into the words that sit alongside the podcast so um, everybody can get in touch and and make sure they're part of it. Evelyn, I don't want to miss you out at all. What and how should people get in touch with um, Canal Circle's work as well?
2: Yeah, we are operating in a very interesting space at this intersection of technology and finance. And I, I believe that in any country, this is a highly regulated space with potentially huge social and economic influence. And we know that as we move forward and actually be able to create some meaningful impact, we really need to have the support of a dynamic legal framework and partners such as banks and payment gateways who are open-minded enough to work with startups like us and who are willing to go the extra mile to cater to the rural communities that we are serving. So it's very encouraging that a a huge organization like MasterCard has initiatives like Strive to foster such uh, collaboration and connection within the ecosystem.
0: Cool. So if you are in any of an an organization similar to um, Evelyn's request there and want to reach out, I will likewise make sure that there are links in the words that sit alongside this podcast so you can get in touch and find out more. Now, it wouldn't be fair for me to finish this podcast without asking you guys what's next. You are two of the most dynamic individuals (laughs) I've ever come across always doing new stuff, always looking over the horizon and, and way ahead of everybody else. So to both Pyle, you and Evelyn, what's next for you? What's next on your horizon? Pile? perhaps you go first?
1: Sure. Well, there is a lot on the horizon. So Strive Community is just one of the programs we are launching under the Strive portfolio. So those sitting in the UK, we're launching a massive program to help British micro and small businesses across the UK. So that is immediately kind of top of mind for me. The center is putting on an amazing global inclusive growth summit in October. And then Katie, if you ask me, I'm probably going to go to sleep for a long time.
0: Well-deserved, but make sure you wake up because I suspect you might have more things on your horizon to do, Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Definitely. Always. Evelyn, what about yourself? What's next for you?
2: For us at Canal Circle, we have to a certain extent uh, accomplished the first step of digitizing the operations of some of the most grassroots financial service providers in Vietnam. Uh, So what's next for us is really looking into how we can help connect them with the greater financial ecosystem in Vietnam, with banks, digital payment providers, and many, many other services. So I believe that um, that connection and integration is critical for us to fulfill our mission of giving people at the bottom of the pyramid. MSMEs, access to a holistic financial offering in a convenient manner. So that's what next first in our agenda.
0: Wow, all around the wicket. Well, Pyle and Evelyn, that concludes our conversation today, although I feel as though we could have gone on for a lot longer. A massive thank you for both giving up your time to share your insights with us, but also for announcing that super exciting new Strive community. So Pile, Evelyn, thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Katie. It's been a pleasure. Thank you both. <laughs>
0: And if you like what you've heard today, please do rate and subscribe to us. I would also love to hear your feedback, so please do drop me a line at any time. I'm Katie at businessfightspoverty.org. Many thanks. Brought to you by Business Fights Poverty.